1: Well, it is time for the Vol Report, brought to you by Files Automotive Group and Big Orange Phillies. Files Automotive Group is right there, downtown Powell, so to speak, on Callahan and Big Orange Phillies and downtown Halls. It's a great place to go hang out with your family in a sports bar environment. You'll love it. I'll tell you more about both here momentarily. I do want to remind you to stop, like, and subscribe right now so you can hear More from our guest, John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel podcast extraordinaire, all of that and more. And to our knowledge, the only person that met Jeremy Pruitt that didn't actually pay a prospect to come to Tennessee. Is that correct, John? Because it appears as if the wife, the dog, the assistants, the support staff, everybody else had a role and the ongoing NCAA investigation under it.
0: Yeah, I wonder some people that that didn't actually do it could they be called carriers that they may be inadvertently influenced some some people to pay money to recruits.
1: Yes, yeah, like a, a COVID nineteen yeah the area type of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, that's very possible. How serious are these allegations? Allegations. I want to dive right into that first. Viles Automotive Group on Callahan. It's about integrity. They want, they need, they appreciate your business. They've got the selection. They've got the service department. They've got it all right there at Viles Automotive Group, and they'll take care of you. So, John, a couple of numbers that struck me when the news first broke about the letter of allegations that NC uh, that the NCAA provided to Tennessee, and it was eighteen. 18 level one violations, which is the most serious. I can't recall uh, a number being that high. Maybe Southern Cal was probably, but the other thing that stood out to me was $60,000. That's not a lot of money to be divvying out. Um, So John, just how did it strike you? Let's begin with that. Those two numbers specifically.
0: Well, the, yeah. The money seemed like, uh, the players or recruits might've got shortchanged. <laughs> but keep in mind, we only know, we only know whom got caught. We don't, uh, we don't know all the details the the 18 level one, uh, violations that that's right out of the Southwest conference circa 1980s. I mean, that's a lot of serious stuff. Um, I don't think Tennessee fans were so shocked by this. I think the way Tennessee handled it, in particular, Chancellor Donde Plowman, she said right off the bat, after UT did its own internal investigation, she pretty much said, this program is a disaster. It's a dumpster fire, a train wreck, whatever you want to call it. And and she was criticized for that, for being coming across that strong about Tennessee's transgressions. But I think what happened here, she was exactly right. The, the NCA uh, allegations backed that up. But really, I, I just I would be shocked if Tennessee got a harsh penalty over this because Donde Plowman has handled this so well. She cleaned house, she, she laid everything out for the NCA. And the NCA has said, we would have nowhere near this evidence if not for Tennessee. We wouldn't know the serious nature of this. So I, I think they're going to consider all that is the only reason they know this is because Tennessee gave it, gave it to them, The Tennessee did all the legwork here. And so I think it, because of that and because of the fact that Tennessee, with its attorneys who investigated this, has worked with the NCA all along and helped shepherd the NCA through this. This isn't the work of an army of NCA investigators that army no longer exists. So I think Tennessee did everything right. And I don't think Tennessee will get a bowl ban, may lose a few scholarships, but that's it.
1: Yeah. I don't think they'll get a bowl ban. I don't even think they'll lose scholarships, but they might. The NCAA is still unpredictable, but, Nowadays it's it's so weird the backdrop of college football and I know you're not supposed to pay prospects still but the backdrop of college football and paying players it just doesn't seem as bad as as it would have 2 years ago does that make sense
0: Oh very much so but even though you say you're still not supposed to play pay players with the NIL deals you work your you work your way around that yeah you do pay them I mean you can pay them uh, ten thousand dollars for an autograph you can pay them fifty thousand dollars for an autograph it, it's market value so it, it's okay it, to do this and what's what's interesting about this and I and I think it impacts fans a lot is that you mentioned a price tag here. Sixty something thousand dollars Tennessee was involved with. I mean, that's not that's not much when we hear about these NIL deals. People are baseball Tennessee baseball players made more than that on NIL deals. So we're in a brave new world here. Also, one more thing to keep in mind: the NCAA has has stated it did this a few months ago that going forward, it didn't want to punish innocent parties. It wanted to punish the guys that actually did the cheating. And so it would be totally hypocritical. I realize the NCAA has been hypocritical in the past. But now to turn around after you make this significant policy change and hammer Tennessee coaches, players, administrators, for what predecessors did, just just wouldn't be right. And, And I don't think the NCAA would do that.
1: No, and I don't think some of the coaches, in particular Greg Schiano and Aliyah Drinkwitz, had some things to say after the NCAA notice of allegations was delivered. So I want to get into that. You want to get into Big Orange Phillies where the food is always fresh, never stale. That's not what casual means and also a great place to hang out in a family fun environment. They've got karaoke, they've got darts, they've got billiards, they've got it all. And You will love Big Orange Phillies. It is right there on Maynardville Pike, the heart of halls, and it's easy to get to from Maynardville or North Knoxville. Yeah, so Elia Drinkwitz decides to go on to the Jim Rome Show, a nationally syndicated show, and I don't know if you've actually heard the audio or read about it, John, but as he was introduced, it was so obvious he had a message he wanted to convey. He basically stopped the introduction and said, don't introduce me with my one loss record because uh, it it may be, may change because Tennessee may have to vacate uh, wins. And uh, I, I don't think a lot of the coaches are in touch with the way college football has changed and the fact that Tennessee I agree with you probably won't face much of a penalty, but he sounded like a total rube.
0: Well, w- but here's the thing when you say not much of a penalty, I think it will have to forfeit games, but how much does that really bother, bother <laughs> fans of the university? So, I mean, they lost 19 games with Jeremy Pruitt at the helm, 19 games. So, okay. You, it's not like you're forfeiting a championship, you're not uh, forfeiting a Sugar Bowl win. I mean, I don't think fans that that really resonates with fans. So I think that would be that would be a penalty Tennessee would receive. But that that doesn't affect the future of your program or what's going on now. Tennessee has momentum now, and if you have you have to lose, uh, you have to forfeit 16 games that you won under Jeremy Pruitt. Does anybody really care that much?
1: No. So that leads me to, if you're going to punish the guys that were wrong, the Pruitts of the world and the Niedermeyers, who was, I believe, named Rivals Recruiter of the Year, and he was very involved in dispersing cash. So if if you really are going to go after the guys that did it, don't they get a 10-year show cause and Jeremy Pruitt can go in the NFL and Brian Niedermeyer can head up the... I don't know, WNBA or whatever he's doing in Las Vegas.
0: Uh, He'll probably end up coaching high school ball in Anchorage. Um, (laughs) I think Jeremy Pruitt (laughs) is done uh, with college football. He's got to get a massive show cause. But even if he didn't, how many people would be eager to hire him now? I mean, Nick Saban hasn't even reached out with one of those, quote, quality control jobs that so many people have gone through the Nick Saban rehab program and got their career back on track. I don't think Nick Saban's offered uh, Jeremy Pruitt anything after he was let go by the Giants. He wasn't actually – the whole staff's gone. So uh, I don't think anybody – I mean, maybe a junior college. I could see him as a junior college defensive coordinator. Otherwise, a small town in uh, Alabama coaching high school ball
1: high school is possibility. I think he can hang on in the NFL because they have about 50 coaches on each coaching staff. And I do think he's pretty good at coaching pass rushing technique. So he's kind of like a way different Chuck Smith as Chuck Smith had some issues, some of which we haven't even gotten into and haven't become public, but he was good at coaching pass rushing. So there's always a job for guys like that. I just don't think it needs to be a big time college football.
0: No, that's, that's done because it's almost, it's not just the stigma of cheating. It's the stigma of a laughingstock. Uh, when it was revealed that his wife, Casey was involved in the scandal. I mean, that took this uh, to a completely uh, different level she's now part of sec lore we're accustomed to sec w- wives being in a uh sort of a uh, you know background role they're kind of in the periphery they they play a role in all this i mean they they deal with re- they meet with recruits families they uh they host dinners for uh players all that kind of good stuff and they They pretty much have to run a household and parent children because the coach is always gone. Casey did all Casey Pruitt, not only did all that, she was out there paying players when she was pregnant. I mean, that's, that's a pregame pep talk. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt addresses the team before they're going out to play Florida and said, look guys, my wife is pregnant and she's out there on the front lines trying to buy you players that will help you win more games if she can do that what can you do for me today very
1: inspirational it is i'm motivated to uh for the rest of the day to go ahead and do the best i can i trust the process of payment by a a young lady who probably had an idea that her husband was in hot water i'm guessing that was part of the the inspiration behind it you know When i look back at the jeremy pruitt the whole tenure he started his first press conference with i about 15 times which sounded like nick saban but not nearly as good and then he immediately tried to make an adjustment so because he was on the Big Orange Caravan tour after and I interviewed him, he said, yeah, some people don't like the way I, I? I saw like, It's not that. It's just that you say all right 15 times in a sentence. And just the fact that he was already cognizant of that, the fact that I think there was some insecurity early. I just really thought he was going to struggle to have long term success at an SEC program.
0: Well, you were right, Dave. He (laughs) he didn't have long-term success or even short-term success. I thought it was revealing in the very first game of the Jeremy Pruitt era, or might spell that E-R-R-O-R, the very first game was against West Virginia. Uh, Top 25 team, probably 17th or 18th, somewhere along there, with a really – with a really strong passing game with quarterback Will Greer, a good group of wide receivers. So first game at a neutral side in Charlotte, uh, Tennessee loses 40-14. to But the thing I remember about that game was Tennessee wasn't out of it completely at at, at halftime. West Virginia didn't look that sharp in the first half. So I'm thinking, okay, Jeremy Pruitt's supposed to be this – defensive guru he'll come up with a he'll make some adjustments at halftime and tennessee come out comes out and it will be maybe just shut west virginia down and uh and then maybe get back in this game instead west virginia just came out and passed tennessee absolutely silly i mean it was one highlight one highlight completion after another And see, that was what Jeremy Pruitt was supposed to be the best at. And we never really saw that. Invariably, Tennessee was worse in the second half than the first.
1: And we never saw that. Go ahead. Well, you say supposed to be best at, but I'm always hesitant to look at a defensive coordinator not named Kirby Smart under Nick Saban and think that he has a major say. Because I think Saban ultimately puts together that defense.
0: I, I realize that. But if Florida State, where he was a defensive coordinator on the national championship team, Jimbo Fisher is an offensive guy. He was the That's head fair. coach. At Georgia, defensive coordinator. Though Georgia wasn't, didn't have spectacular success, Mark Rick was an offensive guy. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I would be very wary of hiring a Saban defensive coordinator, and think this guy is a brilliant tactician, because you know it's Nick Saban's defense. Kirby Smart, though, proved he's pretty sharp too, and he's now regarded as, understandably, as one of the best coaches in the country. Country. The other thing that sticks out, Dave, and you know this, coaches that coordinators that can do really well with talent, and that players that fit their scheme and do what they want to do. They can't always adjust not to having that kind of talent on their defense. Maybe they believe really strongly in, in cover corners. They want two lockdown corners who can just shut down top two receivers. But if they don't have that, can they adjust? Can they mask weaknesses? And Tennessee had plenty of weaknesses to mask. And I never saw, those weaknesses concealed in the least bit. It was as though Pruitt was saying, hey, I need some I need some talent out here so I can run my defense. Well a talent isn't coming even though even though Casey was shelling out cash for it.
1: Yeah, people said the same thing about John Chavis that he was a great coordinator as long as he had Uber talent. And I think that's probably proven to be correct because as the game changed he struggled to and last I heard was coaching middle school ball. But as far as Jeremy Pruitt, um, I I just I am dumbfounded. I know cheating happens at every school, but I am dumbfounded about how sloppy and widespread (laughs) it apparently was. I mean, this is like a I mean this is like if you're seeing a girlfriend and you're married, you, you bring her home to dinner with the family. It doesn't, it just doesn't make... Here, honey, I mean,
0: meet my new girlfriend.
1: It just, to me, is so down the road of absurd when you read through that report. It is baffling.
0: It, it's almost like, it's almost like a bad movie, a parody of recruiting, of, of cheating yep. and recruiting. I, I mean, it, it was all... It was as indiscreet as you can get. And uh that's that's pretty baffling. And and I think you really hit on it earlier. I think Jeremy Pruitt, though never never regard had never in high regard for his mental prowess, was smart enough to realize yeah, I'm probably in over my head here. And, pretty early. And, yeah, like <laughs> yeah, like maybe think, spring uh, practice.
1: Yeah, I re- no, I think it was before that. Um, I think well, it would have been after that, but I think I was there at that big orange caravan moment where the first stop happened to be in Chattanooga, and we were there, and he was a little blown away by the amount of people that wanted to talk to him. It had a, it, kind of had that deer in headlights look, John. That's I remember Mike Shula had that. Um, it was I, I remember vividly thinking, "Whoa, this job may be too big." much like I thought with Mike Shula at the time way back when before Nick Saban. But let's let's talk about ball opening up because camp opens up. And John, I want to go ahead and get your final prediction for Tennessee's upcoming season. We've kicked it around a lot. I know you like the balls and the over at seven and a half, which we've seen out of Vegas. I, I again say that is one of the best bets on the over-unders on the entire sec over or under i love the auburn under i love the alabama over i love the tennessee over those are the three but i think you and i agree that's seven and a half is it's a very manageable number for the balls
0: yeah we do agree and i think we also agree agree that whenever you see a number or a line and you think man this is so (laughs) easy money You just never collect. It just never works out. My gosh, I thought that – I don't remember what the line was for the Music City Bowl, Tennessee versus Purdue. I would have guaranteed that money. If I hadn't been in the business, I would have been laying down some money on that. Didn't work out that way. Uh, But I do think it's a a solid bet. I think think Tennessee should be the second-best team in the East. Won't be easy because there are other teams that could be second in the East. But I think it could win nine games. I think that's a reasonable expectation for a team that just won seven, returns most of its offense, returns its quarterback, returns its leading receiver. Yeah, the defense is a question mark. But as we saw last year, if Tennessee is facing mediocre teams, mediocre defense, defenses it can just outscore the competition and so that's kind of what i envision for this season
1: now and i think you're going to see something too from what i've heard i think you're going to see a little bit more of a four-minute offense when they have the lead i think that's the next evolution if you look back at lane kiffin and old miss also a high-paced offense you know, his first year there they were exciting offensively but they were nowhere near complete I think you're going to see Tennessee's offense evolve and be able to do more than just outpace people.
0: Well, that's possible. I think it will. I, I think it will need to do that. I mean, you have to evolve in this league where you got all these people scouting you and, and looking at you. And Tennessee did well enough offensively to bother defensive coordinators. Bother defensive coordinators will then be motivated to see, okay, what can we do differently. How can we slow this thing down? Um, But I I think Josh Heupel has proved this. He wasn't a one-hit wonder. He did this at UCF. I know that's not not in the SEC, but as a coordinator at Missouri, we saw the same kind of offense. A lot of different running backs excelled. Quarterbacks excelled. Receivers put up big numbers. I mean, that's his track record. So I don't think everything's going to – uh, he, he's not going to fall off the map as an offensive guy next year, this year. I, I just think uh, Tennessee's offense could be even better than last year and it averaged 39.3. So I'm thinking it averages 40, point, 40 points a game. And if you can do that, I don't think you're going to lose that many games. That's why I think nine and three is a reasonable, reasonable expectation.
1: I do too. Reasonable expectations at Viles Automotive Group are to be treated fairly. That's what they are all about, and that's integrity right there on Callahan. You need to get to Viles Automotive Group for their selection, and then they have the service department. If any issues arise with your car that you might have gotten there or elsewhere, we all need service, and they can take care of that at Viles Automotive Group. And again, integrity, that's what makes them stand out. Encourage you to get to Big Orange Phillies. So this is the last weekend of no football. Now, I know we're talking about the Hall of Fame game, but there is still football coming, and it's right down the pike. So Big Orange Phillies is your home for football in North Knoxville, right there in downtown halls on Maynardville Pike. Big Orange Phillies. It is family-friendly, and it is simply awesome awesome so for john adams i'm dave hooker this is a production of off the oak sports we'll talk to you next week have a fantastic weekend everyone